what's going on, Eric? How you doing? Yeah, I didn't start even riding till I was 65 years old. The first board I read was this Plastic Sims, Lonnie Toft with the skate deck. Snowboarding is exactly the same as it used to be. It's just, you know, everybody wants something from it. I don't know if I can endure any more shitty winters. We're going to be okay, you know, and that's all that matters. You can put it away for a while, but you can't put it away forever because it's just almost like a spiritual thing. Welcome to the F and Rad Snowboarding Podcast. I'm Eric Charlson, and this is episode 11. The early 90s was shaped by snowboard movies like Snowboarders in Exile, Critical Condition, and Roadkill, featuring the best riders from around the world. Riders like Steve Graham. I can't even tell you how badly my best friend Chris and I wanted to look Lamar Freestyle because Steve Graham rode one. The boards just looked so cool in the movies, but when you'd see them in real life, not as cool. Steve now lives with his wife and kids in Hawaii, surfing two minutes from his house, and he's still as chill as ever. First time I ever saw snowboarding was like in a ski, it was some Ted Shred, I think it was done up in, in Canada, you know, some heli skiing, some dude on a on a snurfer or, you know, something like that with the rope on it. Um, that's the first time I ever saw snowboarding. And, and my dad was, uh, was working over in, uh, Tripoli, Libya at the time. And so we got sent, my brother and I both got sent to this boarding school kind of thing in, in Lausanne, Switzerland, which was not a bad thing at all. At the time, I didn't really like it, but my roommate, uh, in Switzerland had, it was, it was a Burton Woody, Burton Backhill. It was before the Backhill, it was the Woody. Uh, so my roommates both each had one and, uh, one dude was from San Francisco, another dude from Oregon. And, and, uh, I looked at these things and well, no freaking way. Cause I'd ski British Columbia. My dad was Canadian, uh, we lived from Calgary to, to Vancouver, to Nanaimo, to, you know, all over there for a while. And when we were living up in, uh, in Canada, he got us skiing early. He, he, instead of driving out to Whistler Blackcomb, he'd drop down to Sumas and go to Baker. So my first time I ever really skied was there. Uh, I think it was a back, it wasn't the red and black back hill, but it was a, a Burton Woody on the side of the school. You know, everything's on a hillside in, in Switzerland. So we just built a kicker because we, you know, we all skated and did that. And so that was it, landing on a, a Burton Woody with the side fins going over the handlebars and then, you know, like an inch of, of snow and grass. But from that point on, you know, it was just, it, it was on. And so when I came back December to California, I went down to Gremick Skates in Huntington Beach and bought a, a Burton Elite 150 and uh, and little swallowtail freaking thing with the side metal fins on it and all that nastiness and, and brought it back. And, and you know, I didn't take, take the side fins off for like two months because it was just nothing but pow. I must have had you know, 50 days of, of nonstop, you know, bottomless at that season. And so that was my, my first board was the Burton Elite 150. Uh, and then I ripped that thing in half and then they got me another one, which I, I actually still have. I have the second one, uh, still in my, my collection somehow. I gave it to a buddy of mine. And a couple of years ago when I was at my mom's house in SoCal, he came over with it and I'm like, no shit. So I still have that one. And then, after that, I think I got a Burton Air, the blue and the black one, um, and I rode that thing. I went back over to Switzerland and went to Berbier and went to the top of Montfort, which is the gnarliest top of the top there. And they had these moguls that were, I almost died, you know. It was, it was, that was a better board, the Burton Air, but it was still, you know, it had the thigh backs and everything else. And it wasn't until uh, Barfoot 
twin tip 161 that uh, that I had that it really was my first good board. And then that I, I digressed and went to the freaking look. So <laughs> they were okay, but the first one didn't have any inserts. You know, you had to freaking you had to put ski like like you attach a ski binding to the damn ski. You know, and these things didn't have any aluminum in the top sheet. So if you see an exile, you know the what board I'm really riding was a even worse board. It was a piece of shit foam grinder so that's what i landed you know that cliff with damien on a lot of early stuff i'm amazed that you know i even wrote out of it but you know with the looks i remember when when we went to jackson hole wyoming i mean i broke three boards in one day going back you know the town to mount another one up and losing my gloves and just all that shit and finding the guys back on the hill and then one of the shots in exile where i do a little uh, mute to to frontside poke, you know, where they don't show the landing. With a first comeback, I, I, I meet up with them, go off the jump, and rip out of both bindings again. So, Steve's board sponsor, Look from France, also sponsored his good friend Dave Sioni and professional skateboarder Bert Lamar. He milked him. He he did it right. You know, he I don't know. He got two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand out of those guys. Let's say, and that's way back when. You know, because he he cut his teeth in you know pro skateboarding, and that was a ruthless market at the time. He did pretty good. And then they had the first OP Pro, I think, at June Mountain, and I went up there on my my bar foot just to ride the half pipe, and just you know, I went up there to get sponsored, really, and I. For whatever reason, because I met him, I wanted to get sponsored by Look and Coors Light, which was the crappy thing I was thinking at the time. Um, so, yeah, I was riding the, the half pipe and just going probably bigger than most of the other people riding it. And so these guys were filming. I think it was Sonny Miller and his buddies that were kind of working with Bert. And because of these guys filming, um, it got back to Bert. And eventually he had a board and a you know pair of look pants and a jacket ready to be in Venice. So, I drove out there and I picked it up and kind of that was it. And that first board actually lasted more than longer than any of the others. It was kind of funny, but uh, I wrote that thing. Yeah. Mountain high and all the local areas. And, you know, it wasn't until I think snow summit with the Barney vertical air show, I was sleeping in my truck. I had, you know, no, no money for nothing. And, you know, after the first day I was like top 10 and a half pipe against Craig and all these, you know, all my, my heroes, you know, all the pros came to town and I was doing pretty good. And then I ended up winning the big air. So they had to, you know, do something with me. And uh, I remember I had to go, go five feet taller just because nobody heard of this blonde fucking piece of crap, you know, so called rap. I went bigger than anyone. And they, they didn't, they didn't kind of like, they didn't like that. Steve took the little money he was getting from look and moved in with his buddies in Lake Tahoe. You know, moved to Tahoe and, and, you know, moved in with, with Sioni and Roach and all those guys. I mean, we were, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if Chris told you, but when we first moved up to Donner, we had eight of us living in a two-bedroom. <laughs> it was me, Sioni, Monty Roach, Chris Roach, Heather Mills, which was Chris's girlfriend at the time. Sean Goulart was one of the early Sims riders who was amazing. Just a bunch of, you know, kids from Grass Valley and Auburn and all that. And, and then me, who I was the only SoCal guy, you know, which is always a uh, not a good thing because you're you're kind of known for surfing, you know, and nothing to do with anything on the on the hills because there are no hills there. So the eighth or ninth roommate, it was Brian, my buddy Brian Fogg, who also lived uh, over in Switzerland too a uh, year before me. So that was, uh, that was the crew. We were in Jackson Hole, and I called home, and I talked to Heather, and the next thing I know is she's like, oh, where are you guys moving to? I'm like, well, what do you mean? So we got evicted, you know, when we were in Jackson at the trip, and 
all that shit was thrown in snow and all this stuff. So that was a yeah, that was it. Tahoe was was super fun in the in the early years. You know, hooking up with the Fall Line crew and Roach and, and Tucker and just everybody was it was awesome. It was chaos. It was controlled chaos. Not even controlled. It was just you know nobody had no money. We all we ate was you know potatoes and whatever else we could freaking scrounge up. You know, I mean Dave and I, you know, we were couch touring it for years it seems like because we you know Kurt stole all the money and we had nothing but product <laughs> and the product sucked <laughs> you know the thing with Bert Bert was a really smart guy you know I mean he won like the worlds after like five days on you know on, on a snowboard but um he knew that we rode better than him you know we were, we were mountain people you know I skied from when I was three till I was 18 and you know did a few downhill races you know got really comfortable on the on the Alpine stuff. And that really helped me with my snowboarding and Bert, you know, he, he couldn't, he couldn't keep up, you know, I guaranteed he couldn't keep up, you know, it's just, he, it's not his fault, you know, but he just didn't have the background clip with Damien on a lot of the early stuff. I'm amazed that, you know, I even wrote out of it, but you know, with the looks, I remember we went to, when we went to Jackson hole, Wyoming, I mean, I broke, three boards in one day going back, you know, the town to mount another one up and losing my gloves and just all that shit and finding the guys back on the hill. And then one of the shots in exile where I do a little uh, mute to, to the front side poke, you know, where they don't show the landing with a, a first comeback. I, I, I meet up with them, go off the jump and rip out of both findings again. So Steve's board sponsor, Look from France, also sponsored his good friend Dave Sioni and professional skateboarder Bert Lamar. He milked him. He he did it right. You know, he, I don't know, he got 250, 300,000 out of those guys. Let's say, and that's way back when, you know, because he, he cut his teeth in, you know, pro skateboarding, and that was a ruthless market at the time. He did pretty good. And then they had the first OP Pro, I think, at June Mountain. And I went up there on my, my bar foot just to ride the half pipe and just, you know, I went up there to get sponsored, really. And I, for whatever reason, because I met him, I wanted to get sponsored by Look and Coors Light, which was the crappy thing I was thinking at the time. Um, so, yeah, I was riding the, the half pipe and just going probably bigger than most of the, the other people riding it. And so these guys were filming. I think it was Sonny Miller and his buddies that were kind of working with Bert. And because of these guys filming, um, it got back to Bert. And eventually he had a board and a you know pair of look pants and a jacket ready to be in Venice. So I drove out there and I picked it up and kind of that was it. And that first board actually lasted more than longer than any of the others. It was kind of funny, but uh, I wrote that thing. Yeah. Mountain high and all the local areas. And, you know, it wasn't until I think snow summit when the Barney vertical air show, I was sleeping in my truck. I had, you know, no, no money for nothing. And, you know, after the first day I was like top 10 and a half pipe against Craig and all these, you know, all my, my heroes, you know, all the pros came to town and I was doing pretty good. And then I ended up winning the big air. So they had to, you know, do something with me. And uh, I remember I had to go, go five feet taller just because nobody heard of this blonde fucking piece of crap, you know, so kind of rap. I went bigger than anyone and they, they didn't, they didn't kind of like, they didn't like that. Steve took the little money he was getting from look and moved in with his buddies in Lake Tahoe. You know, moved to Tahoe and, and you know, moved in with, with Sioni and Roach and all those guys. I mean, we were, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if Chris told you, but when we first moved up to Donner, we had eight of us living in a two-bedroom. <laughs> it was me, Sioni, Monty Roach, Chris Roach, Heather Mills, which was Chris's girlfriend at the time. Sean Goulart was one of the early Sims riders who was amazing. 
just a bunch of, you know, kids from Grass Valley and Auburn and all that. And, and then me, I was the only SoCal guy, you know, which is always a uh, not a good thing because you're you're kind of known for surfing, you know, and nothing to do with anything on the on the hills because there are no hills there. So the eighth or ninth roommate, it was Brian, my buddy Brian Fogg, who also lived uh, over in Switzerland too a year before me. So that was a... Uh, that was the crew. We were in Jackson Hole, and I called home, and I talked to Heather, and the next thing I know is she's like, oh, where are you guys moving to? I'm like, well, what do you mean? So we got evicted, you know, when we were in Jackson at the trip, and all our shit was thrown in the snow and all this stuff. So that was, a, yeah, that was it. Tahoe was, was super fun in the in the early years, you know, hooking up with the Fall Line crew and Roach and, and Tucker and just everybody. So it was awesome. It was chaos. It was controlled chaos. Not even controlled. It was just, you know, nobody had no money. We All we ate was, you know, potatoes and whatever else we could freaking scrounge up, you know. I mean, Dave and I, you know, we were couch touring it for years, it seems like, because, you know, when Kurt stole all the money and we had nothing but product, <laughs> and the product sucked. <laughs> You know, the thing with Bert, Bert was a really smart guy, you know. I mean, he won, like, the world after, like, five days on, you know, on a, on a snowboard. But um, he knew that we rode better than him, you know. We were, we were mountain people, you know. I skied from when I was three till I was 18 and, you know, did a few downhill races, you know, got really comfortable on the, on the alpine stuff and that really helped me with my snowboarding and Bert, you know, he, he couldn't he couldn't keep up, you know, I guaranteed he couldn't keep up, you know. It's just he it's not his fault, you know, but he just didn't have the background. So we uh the, no, he wasn't asking us anything. He was he was ready to get rid of us. When Bert Lamar left Look to start Lamar Snowboards, Steve and Dave Sioni were the two pros left on the team. I'm trying to think back and what happened with Dave and all that, and, you know, because we both spent a bunch of time in France because of the look. And France was, and France and Europe, and, and the European Alps are just beyond, you know. I mean, those mountains over there, it's not like America where the top of the chairlift is the top of the mountain. Over there, you got 4,000 more feet or more, and just really heavy, heavy shit. So we met a whole bunch of really heavy hitters over there, and, you know, Rosignol was approaching Dave to do his thing, and then, so it wasn't like, you know, I bounced Dave out. We just both kind of did our own thing. And, and um, I stayed with Luck. He went with Rosinal and ended up being a better deal for him. You know, I had two years worth of boards. I, I think I sold 18,000 boards with my name on it. Never got a penny for it. You know, the Look Pump and the and the um, three sizes, two graphics, sold a shitload of them, you know, and got worked for it. So good lesson, you know, learned. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was my first house. <laughs> After two years of having a pro model on look, Steve leaves to start his own snowboard company. You know, I was pretty much over because they weren't paying me and they wanted me to, you know, produce another board. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. And uh, trying to sift dose of reality is actually what my, um, was on the base of my first reality board that I made. The look distributors for Japan, you know, told me if I ever did anything on my own to call them. And I knew I had some power there, you know, from how many boards I sold. And so I did a trip over to Japan with my buddy Milo from SMP Clothing. You know, we talked to my buddy Kazuo Nakashima, and he was the guy who, you know, gave me the start of that. And basically, you know, I had 1,200 boards sold with not a name for a company, you know. And I'll tell you the name for the company the next day, you know, and I had no freaking idea of I'm walking the streets of Rapungi or something like that, you know, hitting beer machine after beer machine. And I remember I'm walking with this big, tall Asahi, and I tripped on the curb, and I just freaking face planted it. 
And I'm laying there on a, on a Japanese sidewalk, and my my Asahi's, you know, king king king, a port, you know, tip it upright. And I'm laying there. I'm just kind of like God, reality check. And 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 it just kind of came to me. I, uh, I I told him, you know, my name is the, the company's reality, and you know, had 1,200 boards sold. These guys are going to buy them. So that's when I went back to California, went to work, and um, went to find you know, manufacturing, which was really tough at the time, you know, I mean, you're either in with a big ski company somewhere or, or you know, there wasn't too much at, at that time going on. Yeah, that's when I went up to, to Chico and uh, worked with the guys at Crapland Glissade and uh, came out with the first, you know, reality board. So, you know, I, it was all, all me, you know, I mean, I never really had the sponsors like everyone else had sending them everywhere, you know, heli skiing and everything else. It was all my dime. It's kind of tough. I didn't get the help from look, you know, maybe a few trips and, it, you know, with the fall line crew, you know, it just made it seem that we were, you know, balling. <laughs> Steve takes production of his snowboard company, Reality, to the thermal factory at what would be the perfect time. Uh, you know, I came up with, you know, my, my shape was still pretty much the same shape that I did with Crapolisade, but with this, I mean, it was, this was the best factory in the world at the time, care what it says, you know, everyone had to get in there. And, you know, for that kind of cap construction board, there's never been anything that, that rode as good. But my first... You know, my first three-footer, which was the green, um, you know, with a, basically a, the glass ball falling over on the base, um, that thing I went down to New Zealand and, and beat everyone's ass and freaking the king of the hill. I mean, I, I had my helmet camera on, and, uh, you know, what I did with the tail on that, I did two radiuses on the tail, which was similar to Matt Cummins' board at the time. I really liked what he was doing with his shapes, and so I kind of borrowed that design and changed it a little bit on the tail. And, you know, anyone who would follow you would just get a sh- just a shot of snow right in the face because of that. Um, I remember winning the board across, had my helmet camera backwards, and everyone behind me in the footage is just flipping me off. Yeah, though, that first green uh, three-footer from Thermal was the best board I ever rode. You know, riding, just charging it, you know. I mean, I'd been spoiled, you know, skiing all around the world. We got to travel and we went to a, a lot more places. I loved filming with the boys. I loved riding. That was my favorite, but at the same time, I really liked having my own thing, my own kind of individuality. I could do anything I want with ads. I mean, it was really fun doing ads. You know, the ads that we used to do kind of set things apart. It's just just fun creating things. Working with uh, my buddy John Cormack, who's done every graphic I've ever had, my tattoo artist and everything, it was just really neat to see it go from paper to production. So that was kind of nice. I've always been used to paying for my own freaking way. So, you know, it was never, never really easy on that. You know, I didn't have the, you know, the big sponsors. You know, I remember I was the first person ever to the chill cap. Juno allows the first person there. I could have fucking killed everything if I had a budget to fly with, but I couldn't even afford to get in a helicopter. You know? But, you know, that was one of the, the downfalls to doing my own thing. I didn't really have the budget to really do it right. And it's a lot of money to do I recorded with Steve for quite a while, but the phone connection kind of crapped out. His memory of the events of the early 90s and 2000s is vast and covers dozens of relationships with people, some of whom still work in the snowboard industry, and he always speaks highly of everybody, except that one lame corporate guy at Quicksilver that just didn't get it. He still snowboards in the winter when he's not surfing in Hawaii, and he keeps in touch with snowboarders and XL partner in crime, Damian Sanders. You know, 
mean, there's nobody back in the day that rode like Damien. No one ever will. All right, I get to tell you the good news about our live show. First of all, it's being sponsored by Full Sail Brewery from Hood River, Oregon. We're planning on giving away some free beer, so if you needed more incentive to come and kick off the Mount Baker Legendary Bank Slalom, maybe free beer will do it. So Friday, February 19th at 3 p.m., join us at the Chair 9 Pub in Glacier, Washington, where our confirmed guest is going to be Terrier Hackinson. So yeah, we're super stoked. Terrier is going to be at Chair 9 with us doing a live show Friday, February 19th at 3 p.m. And there's going to be free beer. Like, you need to come join us, for sure. And come back next week for another F and Rad Snowboarding Podcast episode brought to you by BR Productions.